Hello, and welcome to Beatdown, a musical battle royale. I'm your host, fatalistic little fucker Josh Burnell, and joining me on the panel this week. She was born Irish, she was raised Italian, and if her bloodline is any indication, she'll outlive us all. She's Jennifer Lane, everybody. Good evening, Jennifer. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> and also planning to outlive us all after his cryogenically frozen body is thawed out in the year 802,701 when the world is apocalyptic wasteland and Morlocks walk the earth. He's Edward Giordano, everybody. Um, I'm hoping that I will go down like the Gila cells and be like self-perpetuating for all of eternity. So <laughs> I'll have to get an explanation from you on that one later. And last but not least, he's a playwright. He's a former comic. And as luck would have it, he was born on Valentine's Day and his initials are VD. <laughs> he's Vincent Durham, everybody. Hey, Welcome, how's Vincent. How's going, Jen, Josh, Ed? <laughs> Vincent, you used to be our neighbor. Yes, yes. <laughs> 4310 Vineland. 43. Yes. Well, let's not. T- oh, actually, none of us live there anymore. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah sure, yeah, audience. Okay. Go to 4310 yeah. Vineland. Yeah. We can know. give the apartment number. Even. <laughs> sure. There you go. <laughs> it was the one across the street from the fire department. People know where we were. <laughs> so, uh, Vin, uh, I, I wanted to ask you a little about your playwriting. Uh, do you want to tell people about the Fertile River and what uh, that is? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, you know, it's actually, hopefully, it's my successful play. But, um, <laughs> really, it's a play about. Um, Oh, gosh, it's kind of dark already. Speaking of what uh, the topic yes. is. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's about uh, the eugenics programs uh, in the United States. And if people don't know what that means, it's the uh, state of North Carolina used to go out and actually sterilize people, you know, against their will, co- coerce them into uh, signing off uh, their right to reproduce. Yeah. So and it's a feel-good play, is what it is. <laughs> it is truly... Uh, I, I emailed you after, so this isn't me just, like, getting you in a public space so I can uh, praise you. It was truly affecting. Like, yes. a, a truly phenomenal piece of theater. Oh, thank you. I appreciate theater, that. Yeah. I was really struck. The other thing that's really fascinating about it is that, the, on the one hand, you're right. It's a story that so many people don't know um, and that went on for years, went yeah. on for a very long time. Um, and then also... Uh, the fact that it was quote unquote voluntary, as you kind of just said, like actually getting people to to sign away their uh, their, their 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 procreation rights, I guess. Sign. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and and the weird thing is, is like thirty nine states in uh, the U S. had programs like this, wow. and then like a lot of people. Also, the great thing is like a lot of people don't know about it. So after they see the play, they come up to me and. They go, did you make that up? And it's like, no, I'm not that evil. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that evil. But then you had a great comment in the program as well that it's also a very personal story in that uh, they did have to voluntarily sign the paperwork that would get that by which they would be sterilized. Right. And so someone had to bring them that paperwork and convince them to sign it right. one way yeah, or another, yeah. which is what the show is actually about. You, your great quote in the program is what was that conversation? Oh, like? wow. Josh. It's so oh, good. Okay. Wow, man. You did your, oh, wow. That, you know, you've touched me by remembering that. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the place. What, what is that conversation? How do you go to someone's house and ask them to do that and then actually convince them to do that? And then walk out of the house like, was after it, you've convinced them to do it. Yeah. yeah. What's that, Ed? I said, was there money involved somehow? Like, like we'll give you, you $500,000 if you sign away your procreation rights. Like, like I don't, I mean, I no, could really, probably be convinced. The incentive was for the state not to have to pay for unwanted children. You know, okay. it was a way to curb welfare. It was a way to curb uh, social policies. You know, these people, you know, were... were 
the poorest of the poor. So they relied on the government to take care of their children oftentimes. So it was really a way to control population as well. And then from a personal or from the actual like uh, perspective of the person who was signing the paperwork to be sterilized, it, it seemed to at least the, the argument in your play is that it was more of a social pressure and, and more of a kind of like just browbeating people right, into right, thinking yeah, that this was yeah, the right yeah, idea. Yeah. But at, at first, it started out as this this good for the society, good for social. But, yeah, you know, once once that happens, it becomes sinister after a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, definitely. Totally. Are all of your plays about genocide, or, or do you have like happy things no, too? I have some happy plays as well. Okay, good. Yeah, no. I... <laughs> but uh, no, that that play just stuck with me. But yeah. I'm, I think my last play was kind of happy. Well, no, it wasn't happy. But <laughs> no, but but my last play was a ten minute play. It was called Baby Black Jesus Part Two. Mm-hmm. But it was just a, a fun play. It was about these two uh, black gay guys who are breaking up because one has decided to go back to the church. And the other one, you know, can't go back to the church, but it's about love and it's about, um, you know, what you are willing to sacrifice for love. And instead of romantic love, the one partner didn't want to lose the love of his family. So he decided to give up romantic love and, you know, have his family and have his church. Oh, wow. That's so, fascinating. So I guess that's not happy either. Yeah. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, welcome to the show, Vincent. Thank We're very you. Excited I'm, to have you. I'm you uh, you actually picked this topic, yeah. uh, which we'll get into <laughs> in a little bit. Okay, so. that's good to know. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so uh, that should be entertaining. We uh, wanted to go around and talk a little bit about music news. What's happening in the world right now, Ed? Uh, what was your topic for music news this week? My topic for music news is John Mayer's interesting release strategy of his new album the search for everything and and much like robin's body talk i feel i i really i really love this like multi-ep album format uh in quick summary he's releasing three four track eps in january february and march to culminate in a 12 track album And, and like for me for me with this album it's like it's like kind of exciting because you would think somehow, like because of, because the logic would dictate, like if you if you drop an album all at once, that it, that'd be like you would get you would get invested in it, and then that would be it, and like you'd listen. But then honestly, when an album comes out, I might listen to it once, but with these like smaller bite sized pieces, I'm like more willing to re listen to it, and it's like you're building in like a sequel, like oh like just another month till the next bit comes out. <laughs> so I actually think that this bite size ep uh album setup is like the way to go and what are, what josh do you what are your thoughts on this as i as i like ranted for a second oh no it's great um you know we'll turn it over to the group as well but i i actually find this kind of fascinating it, it you know, Ben Folds did this back in the day. Uh, the Smashing Pumpkins kind of did a twist on this, releasing your album as a series of EPs, and then Robin doing it with Bobby Talk, releasing your album as a series of EPs that then you bundle up into one album at the end of the day. Um, it's an interesting way to go. I know Ben Folds did it as a way to uh, figure out which songs people actually liked. He actually did like five EPs and then did one sum up with just the songs people actually enjoyed. Um, then uh, Smashing Pumpkins did it as kind of an excuse to be able to uh, get stuff out faster as opposed to just waiting for one bundle. It, it's an interesting strategy today in the kind of post 
buying music world, which we're not in the post buying music world, but to a lot of people since life is done in streaming, when you release a record to streaming, you just get like one one moment in front of everybody's face. You you just get to release that record one time. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you release four EPs, you get to release that record five times, you know, the each EP and then the, the album at the end. Um, it, there's a certain like strategy to it. And then I actually agree with you at to a certain point where because we live in a streaming world, kind of a shorter, uh, 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 a shorter attention span world four songs, you can just loop those four songs a lot faster than you can loop 10. But then, you know, Jennifer uh, and, and Vincent, we all grew up during the album period where you mm-hmm. buy that record and you paid 15 bucks for it and you had that album and even if you only bought it for one song which is usually what happened let's be honest you still bought the whole record and you had the whole thing they don't have that option now uh but it's a different strategy i mean i don't know jennifer what do you think about breaking your record up into bite-sized pieces i mean actually i can't remember the last time i've listened to an album from start to finish so for me, yeah, in a way, I think ingesting four songs at a time and then maybe re-listening to them when the next batch comes out would probably get me more invested in it than, yeah, buying a whole album and, and maybe queuing up the same song over and over again and then being done with it. So it is, it's interesting. I mean, I know my, uh, my, behavior for listening to music is so different from it was from when it was you know five years ago or certainly 10 years ago so uh it is a little i'm I'm maybe an anomaly to it but um but yeah i mean i i could see myself it would be a lot easier to 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 take in and connect to something in bite-sized chunks yeah then do you have any thoughts on this yeah you know what actually when you brought up you know our age kind of <laughs> you know i immediately thought of uh the police synchronicity i'm like mm-hmm. okay i don't think i could listen to that in bite-sized releases mm-hmm. i'm like oh my god i need that album all together all at once yeah. so i loved ed's explanation about how you would release it i see that it's kind of like a cliffhanger you know and you're waiting for the next thing but then when i thought about the police and synchronicity i'm like no i i need i need that whole album now yeah, yeah i, I yeah. wouldn't be able to wait so yeah, it's an interesting concept. concept. That kind of hints, though, at like uh, there's this great uh, Gerard Way interview on the Brett Easton Ellis podcast where he says there's no room for filler anymore. Every song on your album has to be a single because they're all going to be listened to individually or yeah. in a shuffle. And so the, that kind of like creating a songbook um, has become where whereas creating a songbook, uh, you know, during the album era. Uh, was really what you did. It was just kind of a given. Now yeah. that's become kind of a, an art piece. Like that's what some people mm. do by creating a whole thing. It's like when skits went away. Remember when skits were on every record, right, right. <laughs> yeah. but they all went away because no one wanted to pay 99 cents for that track. <laughs> I mean, I think the last album that I listened to, maybe, you know, front to end, um, that was kind of a, a story was the, was it the Black Parade? Am I remembering oh, that one? Back to Gerard Way, yeah. Oh, oh okay, Parade, sorry. So, yeah, so. Yeah, from, uh, by My Chemical Romance. Mm-hmm. Yes. A great record. So, yeah, you couldn't listen to Agreed. it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, yeah, there were some really great songs, but once you heard one, if you knew the rest of it, you just had to hear, the, you had to hear it all from start yeah. to finish. But yeah, it's been a long time since there's been, uh, you know, an album that, you know, has just been this, you know, cohesive right, piece right. of art that, that is carried through. Yeah, now it's all now it's all singles. And- yeah, 
Ed, I don't know mm. if you've noticed this trend as well. I miss them, though. Yeah. Um, I've noticed this trend with kind of like the proggier side of music, trying to overcome this where people only listen to one song at a time, where they're doing suites, where it's like five songs that are all linked. Mm. Have you have you seen this? Uh, uh, I've n- this is, no. The last um, uh, Ray LaMontagne record is 10. Okay. It's one song that's just broken up into 10 different pieces. Uh-huh. And it's it's called the Roburos. Like if you were to put it on repeat, you wouldn't even notice that it ended and started again. Okay. So on the one hand, it's kind of like a proggy psychedelic argument, but it's also mm-hmm. the only way you can get everyone to listen to all 10 songs. It's by well, essentially it, it, saying it's, it's one song. One track? No way. What's well, it's, on it's yeah on Spotify on, it's divided up into ten songs, but if you listen to it straight through, there are no huh. breaks. Like there's no silence between songs. Okay, I mean, and when you that, see him in concert, it is one long wow. jam session. Yeah, he does. Wow. I, I it was think, cool. Like, yeah. It was very immersive. Cool. Very. I don't care how immersive it is, but that's hella streaming inefficient for pay. If you make your entire <laughs> album one track, I'm like, oh, like if I was their marketing manager, I'm like, mm 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 mm. I don't well, care. I, don't I care. mean, should all art be monetized, Ed? <laughs> What's well, gonna be? I, you, <laughs> it's, you, gonna, that's like a, it's gotta be. Yes, it's yes. Really an issue. I'm being facetious here, but. Now, Ed, uh, before we move on from this topic, uh, what do you actually think of those two uh, John Mayer EPs, Wave 1 and Wave 2? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I don't think I've ever listened to an entire John Mayer record all the way through. <laughs> and I've listened to those e- both EPs multiple times. And I, I was struck by how different each one felt. Wave 1 was... I like I, I really... I liked Wave 1. Wave 1 to me is like poppy John Mayer. And like Wave 2 was like... like, like maybe even like Motownish John Mayer. Mm-hmm. And I and I was like, oh, okay. And like and it was cool. Yeah. I, like like since our discussion that we had about John Mayer last time in the podcast and you said that he's underappreciated, I started I start I, I suddenly I went back to him saying, Well Josh says he's underappreciated. So then I <laughs> I've like re I've reconditioned him in my head. Yeah. I got one great tweet from Michael David that was like, Yeah, Josh and Questlove <laughs> only people who think that John Mayer's underappreciated. Yeah. That's true, though. Um, Jennifer, we listened to it today. What did we you did. Um, it was funny. The first wave I really enjoyed because it was, I'm going to say, the best parts of his former um, work that I like. And, and Josh was like, yeah, it's real sleepy. I'm like, okay, fine. Maybe yeah. I like the sleepy parts. But it was a little bit more, I don't know, a little more bluesier. And then when it went to the second wave... I actually looked at Josh at one point. I'm like, well, who's playing now? Yeah, you did it. I last had song. no idea. Yeah. I, it was his voice. Everything sounded different. I felt like you if you had told me it was a song from the 70s that got cut from the, the Muppet movie soundtrack, I would have believed you. <laughs> I had no idea. Both <laughs> waves are couched in this very kind of 1982 kind of uh pop blues jazz thing that was happening back then uh it, it, the joke i told jennifer is he's fully in his boz skaggs period nah. um <laughs> like, i mean it's just different john mayer has always been like michael mcdonald's bastard child and he is fully and uh, well i don't know that's not a bad thing okay. but he's fully embracing that uh, on these two records uh the first one being like uh uh like mid 80s like uh uh doobie brothers 
of Michael McDonald and then the second EP kind of going more into the like when Michael McDonald did Sweet Freedom and really wanted to be a pop star. Um, I like the second wave better than I like the first one. I find the first one real sleepy. I find the second one real fun. That, the the first track and the last track on the second one, I think, are actually some pretty touch not, top oh, notch uh, pop jazz funk tracks. Do you feel like your man just gets better every time you listen to it? Yes. I think that's <laughs> probably the best song on the, on the, of both of them. Though that last one I find very entertaining. The one that jennifer was like who is this now and i was like yes yeah, still john mayer wow. uh well let's move on to another topic real quick before we get to our competition uh jennifer uh you watched the oscars this year and i was just <laughs> I curious we had uh what five oscar actually four oscar performances we had the two songs from la la land performed together by john legend audition mm-hmm. and city of stars city mm-hmm. of stars which of course went on to win uh can't stop the feeling which opened the show the justin timberlake song which jennifer presented on the podcast a few uh few weeks weeks ago how far i'll go which was uh performed from moana and had a Mm -hmm. actually i think the best thing about it was the opening that lynn manuel miranda did and the empty chair (sighs) performed by sting uh jennifer what did you think of the oscar performances musically i thought they were fine i don't think there was anything um award show or it was just live performance and there was nothing different or special about it it was kind of fun that um when justin timberlake did um can't stop the feeling he he started from the back of the auditorium and it kicked off even before jimmy kimmel came out and introduced and welcomed everybody it was just it just it 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 started with a a really fun upbeat tone yeah for the night uh and the rest of them were just very uh very straightforward like i would rather watch you know reruns of the tonys to to <laughs> rerun to rewatch um the you know better performances <laughs> i mean that justin timberlake performance which yeah started outside of the codex center or the dolby now the right? dolby, the dolby yes. now. started outside the dolby and then had him walking in and like waving to all of the uh um all the uh, ticket takers as if uh, he knew them and they were like, yeah, that's my friend, Justin Timberlake. And then, <laughs> and then you found out that was his friend, Justin Timberlake. Cause they were all actually dancers. Yeah. Uh, and then they all like followed him onto the stage as yeah. he went. Did and you watch it? I you know, I watched it today. Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah. But like, that's and Timberlake did a little mashup. Wasn't yeah, and then he went into like Lovely Day and some yeah, other stuff at the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. That was actually, I was like, okay, why are we doing this now? Okay, <laughs> but okay, so Lovely Day wasn't on the Troll soundtrack, but September was, and there were a couple of other, you know, disco songs that... Yeah were were covered for the the film so it was a it was a beautiful slip i uh slipping in of that because that's like one of my favorites yeah yeah that was a nice I, moment i'm with you but like i i i've defended justin timberlake on this show before i love when justin timberlake goes disco i love when he gets funky i think justin timberlake has no soul and when he tries to have soul, it's just like people with actual soul. I'm yeah. not counting myself in that group, but like people with actual soul are sitting at home going, no. no. Like Bill Withers was like, really? Uh, right now? Like wherever Bill is right now? Uh, uh, but I, anyway. Yeah. But that, I think that's a testament to the song because I was actually not in my head even there though. You go. You know, yeah. It's like, yeah. So His like, band was tight. Yeah, yeah. I'll give them yeah, that. The yeah. band was great on that one. And the dancers were really fun. My mom was like, oh. Oh, he's pulling seat fillers up onto the stage. I'm like, Mom, they're real dancers. <laughs> just, just don't 
stop questioning it. Please just sit back and enjoy and trust me that they're real professional. This is not spur of the moment. This is not one of those. What do they call those? Those They don't do them anymore. The pop up. The pop up. Oh, flash mobs. Flash flash mobs. Yes, it's not a flash mob. (laughs) Yeah, they're not in vogue right now. No, they are not. Uh, we also had John Legend do the two songs from La La Land. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of those, Jennifer? He did a mashup of City of Stars. He actually started with City of mm-hmm. Stars. He went into audition, and then he came back out with City of Stars. I actually I, I enjoyed his performance more than the actors in the, oh the film. But just because you know, his, his voice, you cannot compare. <laughs> it, was, it was fine. It was all fine. And the dancing and the floating people. <laughs> it was fine. Vin, have you seen La La Land? I have not, no. Uh, but like I was taken by the floating people. Yeah. But I, I guess they float in the movie. Too, yeah, they right? do in the yeah. movie. There's, yeah. It's a very fanciful, romanticized look at uh, relationships in LA. Okay. And not, mm. But not... You know, it does. It does show the downside as well. It's not all you know fairy tale. Right. No. Of course. <laughs> I, I've dated enough. Of course, no. yeah. Nobody's uh, floating in my <laughs> dating world. There you go. We also had the performance of the song by uh, from Moana, which was yes. written by Lin Manuel Miranda. Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Jennifer, my only question for you about that performance is: Did that bitch deserve to get hit in the head with a flag? No. What? But I is, don't know what she did. Is that sixteen-year-old not a pro because she didn't even blink? She, <laughs> she did. Did you see one of the flag people no, hit her in the head? She's sick of that. The girl just stands there the whole time. She was so poised. She never moves, and then this flag knocks her wow. in the back of the head. You can hear her, her you can see her hair yeah. fly. And then she just rolls through, like doesn't even wow. notice, and then finishes the song. Her hair is all messed up on the side. It's amazing. She's got like a little I have like to a go little back and watch that. I thought she was fantastic. I had not heard that song before. I haven't seen the film. Um which I, I do want to. It's on my my short list of oh, animated yeah. features but um no, i thought that was i thought that was really beautiful i thought <laughs> i again she's 16 years old she's singing in front of a live yeah. audience mm. on and she's camera. following lin-manuel right. yeah that's that was, true yeah, that he was right. so cute yeah. he was he did he did this um a little intro to it and i don't know if that's part of the song in the movie or if he did that just no, he for... just did it for the first yeah, okay he, he wrote it up for and he just you know it's like yeah like, he was backstage yeah. and he was like yeah. should i go out there and they were like you're lin-manuel Miranda. <laughs> you should go out there. he talks in tune and in, in in rhyme without without you know, thinking without, about yeah. it yeah. yeah he's fantastic and uh, uh, last but not least, we had Sting performing The Empty Chair from a movie nobody's heard of. Uh, Jennifer, as as the world's last Sting apologist, <laughs> uh, <laughs> thoughts on Sting? Is it, he still dreamy? It was it was lovely. Um, I'm not I'm not going to say anything bad about Sting. Sting was you know my my first crush. Again, my first cassette was uh, Police. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've seen him in I've seen him perform live at least six times, and I it was it was very pleasant. I I think I got up and got something to drink at that time <laughs> when it came on. It was Jen- just a very sleepy performance, and I think we were pushing, you know, the two two-hour mark at that point yeah, I bet. have you finished it all all the, you, the entire actually, telecast i could not find the sting performance on oh, youtube okay. so yeah. that might just put, play something? any sting performance <laughs> <laughs> yeah jennifer jennifer criticizing sting is like that scene in liar liar where jim carrey is trying to write that the pen is blue and he's just like throwing himself around the room <laughs> and, like, his mouth won't form the words like even though he believes it in his heart right, like right. it's really it's really tough for her <laughs> i just i I was a little surprised by this pick. Um, I, I didn't 
I didn't pay attention enough. You know, there were other people and we were maybe talking again. I got up to get a drink, but I didn't feel like there was anything outstanding about the song to 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 differentiate it. Uh, and perhaps it was more in context of the film itself, also, which I have not seen. So, right. <laughs> so were there any songs? Because like that's the whole thing about the Oscar song. Yeah, it's supposed to propel the movie, or it's supposed to be a part of the mm -hmm. movie storyline. Yeah. So, are were any of those movies like that? Or well, oh, oh, definitely well, La La Land. Yeah, okay. La La and Land. Moana, which was also a musical, so it helped. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, and can't stop the feeling, which, yeah. um, yeah. I mean, all these songs are musicals. So on the one hand, yes. The Empty Chair is kind of like uh, When My Heart Will Go On, one for Titanic. Like, well, I guess that at least everyone identified that song with mm. that movie. And everybody, mm -hmm. that was a big hit. There was, remember when Annie Lennox won for a song from uh, Lord of the Rings? And everybody was like, there's a song in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I'm still feeling that. Yes. Wow. But it was just, it it happened, and she won an Academy Award yeah. for that song. I'm, I'm so. thinking back to when uh, It's Hard Out There for a Pimp. Or it's yes. Hard out, yes. Because that song really did yes. fit, you know, that was that, that was like a important part of the movie. Well, yeah. of course, you know, that yeah. was the song he was recording. Yeah. And yeah. I and I like, I mean, I think My Heart Will Go On is a good example where like, actually that, that song and that movie were kind of inescapable at the time. And so even though like Hard Out Here for a Pimp is performed in the movie and that's a mm -hmm. fantastic musical right, right. moment. But like, uh, yeah, they don't all have to be musicals. They don't all have to be performed mm -hmm. in the right, film. Right. Uh, that the thing about like Chicago where they wrote a song to put into the movie just because they wanted the Academy oh, it Award. Be an original. Yeah, it has to be an original to win the Academy yeah. Award. Right. Um, so there's uh, those moments where it's like, all right, you're kind of cheating even to get this award. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a fun fact. Annie Lennox won for the return to Sting for that song mm -hmm. on the same year that oh, she also beat Sting. That's it. True Love from Cold Mountain, which is probably another movie that no one's seen. Well, I'm Cold Mountain, I've seen that. Yeah, I don't know that song. I, I didn't see that one. <laughs> well, family and friends, we are here to pay our respects and honor the life of the beatdown, wherein we choose a theme, and each of us brings a song that we think is the ultimate representation of that theme. We will present our picks, make our case, and then you, the listener, will vote on who you think brought it the best and reigns supreme in the beatdown. This week, our topic is songs for your funeral. That's right. The song you <laughs> once played at the ceremony that bids you farewell. But uh, before we get to that, we have to talk about last week. Our topic oh my last God, week... Jen. I'm just looking at the results. <laughs> oh, yes. La uh, our topic last week was songs from movies. Uh, I brought Public Enemy's masterwork, Fight the Power. Ed brought the feminine empowerment torch song, You Don't Own Me. And our guest, Brett, brought the Wall of Sound classic, Then He Kissed Me. But it's uh, she's on a roll, you guys. Because Jennifer, who spiked her hair and rolled up her sport coat sleeves to take the crown with wow. Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which uh, <laughs> is pretty impressive. Uh, for a while, we had never beaten the guest. And now Jennifer's <laughs> beaten the guest twice Sorry. in a row. Wow. <laughs> so she's doing very well. Then, yeah. uh, uh, which, which one of those songs would you have voted for? Oh, Simple Minds, yeah. Oh, thank you, Don't you. She, she already won. Oh, come right? on. You don't have to help her anymore. <laughs> that song is so iconic. And yeah, that's, yeah. Well, it's like you, you can't think of the movie and not hear the song, and you can't hear the song and not think of the movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, my heart will go on, actually. Now that you've said that, I'm like, oh, no, I've got that in my yeah, head. Yeah, that would have been a good one, too. Uh, but our topic this week is songs for your funeral. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, Vin, you actually suggested this topic. Uh, so do you want to tell us why did you suggest songs for your funeral as a topic? 
topic for the show. It's something I think about all the time. <laughs> it really is like it's like I want my funeral to be a certain way, and I definitely I have a song playlist. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be honored, but I have yeah I have more than one song that I want played, and yeah. Have you been to like a great funeral where you were just like, that's the song? Maybe that's why, because like, yeah, it's, like I remember going to my uncle's funeral and like, I'm like, no, he wasn't even, he doesn't even listen to this music. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> you yeah, so yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think it's more that uh, funerals don't honor the person that they're burying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's so where will, that's come from. Will you write the 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 script? Will you will you write the play for your <laughs> <No>. funeral? <laughs> yes, I want you to say this, and I want you to cry here. Yes, cry. two minutes in. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Hire a stage manager. Um, Ed, have you planned your funeral in any detail? Uh, no. But but yeah, I mean, I guess I I, I to my song. A little bit preview. I mean, the song cast to kind of do a little bit with afterlife in there. So maybe, maybe, maybe my like uh, belief in reincarnation is what's c- coming through here. Oh, that's it. Well, we'll get to that oh, in okay. your pick. That's very interesting. Well, let's take it off the top. I am going to randomize the names this week. Uh, actually, no, uh, we're going to make Jen go last yeah. because uh, she. Or or go we're going to make Jen go first because she won last week. And yeah, I'm just Jen can go first. I don't care about anything else. But I'm Jen's just going to randomize first. Ed and I. <laughs> So uh, first we'll go Jen. Uh, you mean then... you're flipping a coin? All right, I just flipped a coin, so it's gonna go Jen, Ed, and then me. All right, uh, I so watched Jennifer... you click the button. It's true. <laughs> She's <laughs> the only one who can validate. It's always like, Josh, did you stack that? And I'm like, no. yeah. Uh, so Jennifer, first pick of the week. Yay. Take it away. What did you bring for this songs for your funeral breakdown? Okay, so I haven't given a lot of thought about my funeral. I've, I guess I've never really pictured it in as much as I've pictured maybe what life without me would be more than anything. And I, 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 that that sounds kind of weird. It's really kind of hard for me to articulate. Um, This is a hard one because I think like years ago, it was definitely one thing. And, you know, then I thought maybe something else. And, you know, so I had all these different ones running through my head. Like the first one, (laughs) the first one that I, I thought I would definitely go with, which I didn't was Sting's Fragile. So it's very, it was very beautiful. On and on, the rain must fall like tears in the sky, like tears in the sky. Tell us how fragile we are. It's very, it's very, it's very lovely, but kind of, kind of sad and 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 sleepy. And yes, love, 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 sting. Um, but I just didn't want, I didn't want to bring people down. And then, um, again, thinking of sting, I thought, oh, I could do every little thing she does is magic, you know, like how self-aggrandizing is that? (laughs) So I was like, no, not going to do that. So I thought more than anything, I guess I would want the message to be not about me and, you know, who I was as a person and how I live my life or anything like that. I just would like people to know that, um, you know, people in my life were very special to me. So I settled on the Beatles in my life. There are places I remember all my life, though some have living in my 
I've always loved this song. I remember hearing this as a kid. My my stepdad had stacks and stacks of Beatles albums, and I'd get home from school early, and I would just stack them in the the old uh, on the turntable. Remember when you could stack oh, yeah. the records and let them drop, and, drop and just yes. play through and this was one I just always I love the melody to it it's um, it's sweet and and simple without being too somber or melancholy and um, I again I love this sentiment that um, in everything that I've been through you know I just want people to know that I love them and that um, that we were good and I mean this is also, I think, uh, according to Rolling Stone's 500 best songs, I think it came in at number 23. You right. know, it's a Lennon and McCartney classic. John Lennon actually wrote the lyrics when he was, well, it was in 64. He he was trying to, um, he was not challenged, but he was requested to write a more personal song because mostly everything had been, you know, like what songs were about then, you know, love or or, or different things going on in a, in a general sense but somebody um, wanted him to write a more personal song so he used to take the bus every day and he started writing about where he lived and the places that he would see and it was very literal and he had, had the whole thing all handwritten and then kind of put it away and then when uh, they were looking to do uh, another song he went back to it and then instead of being so specific with all the places that he'd been and as opposed to like you know what I did on my my summer bus trip he he generalized it and um, put in the sentiments that um, you know everybody everybody who was there in his life was at some you know meant something to him um, they were all special and actually so when actually go back a little bit when he did rewrite it uh, to what we know now, it was actually in honor of a friend of his who had passed away. Um, so yeah, so it's a, it's just a, a, a beautiful classic. I'm not even going to go into any of the you know history of the Beatles because I think everybody knows who the Beatles are. <laughs> so that is that is my take on my funeral. Um, I'm I'm happy to hear other songs. Here, oh, like I'm going to hear my. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but you know. You never know. That's the whole. You know. <laughs> From from your disembodied ghost in the back of the room. I think you should be allowed. You know, hey yeah. God, can I just just peek yeah. in? Yeah. Just I just, deserve this. Still, one let thing. me hear the bad stuff. Let me. Yeah. Oh, I never liked her. Gosh, she's so annoying. I mean, this song will sound will look great over a uh, montage of uh, photos of your life. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much where this song goes. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a, pretty much. Uh, it, this is uh, Vin. This is usually when um, we poke light fun at everyone's picks oh. this is hard to poke fun at this pick i mean that I opening know. guitar riff is unbelievable the bridge that george martin wrote is mm. unbelievable this is uh, you know as far as like when john lennon was still caring about the beatles this was one of his best moments uh yeah i mean it's on rubber soul like it's my yeah. second favorite beatles record this is uh this is a pretty great uh pretty great song uh as far as that goes ed uh what do you think about this as a song for your funeral I don't know what do I think about it as a song for my funeral. Probably, I mean, it's a fun. It's it's it it, it like mm. feels uh, light and it's a it's a great song. Um, and it was popularized by 
American Idol finest Ramiel Malboy during the McCartney Song Week on American Idol season That's seven, true. as as we all remember. I was wow. like, wow, like where did I first hear this song? I was like, oh, I was like, it must have been American Idol season seven Beatles week. <laughs> positive of it, and then I looked up. I was like, oh, I was right. Yes, she did. Yes, someone did. Oh, someone did. I didn't. I did not remember Ramiel singing it, but I mean. Who remembers obscure ninth place finishers? Not me. <laughs> Apparently you, Ed. <laughs> I do. I remember that. Uh, so that's how the twenty somethings found out about this song. That's uh, that's great. Uh, I don't. I, no, I. No one remembers that. Certainly. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a great song, and I wouldn't. I if it was played at my funeral, obviously I wouldn't be upset about it. So it's it's, it's, it's a great song. It's a great song. I, I think it's really uh, like happy. And, and like you said, I feel like maybe I need like a crash course in the Beatles. That's like the issue I'm ah, running into here. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe Josh and Jen, you two can help me out with this. That oh my mm. god, that's a, I had this thing for years. Our Tricky. nephew, our nephew's, our Jennifer's brother, he didn't really listen to music around the house he didn't really play music for his kids and so i would talk to my nephew and i'd be like uh you know it's that one kiss song and he'd be like who's kiss and i'd be like what <laughs> and we have, would have these conversations all the time and so for years we used to talk about this on the, our first podcast for years i wanted to put together like a course of like these are the things you need to know <laughs> right, right. like and not everything like you don't need to know all of kiss you just need to know destroyer like <laughs> that's how you just pick one for each thing oh, uh, but the beatles but, like but the where beatles. would you even start like do you just go chronologically well the beatles have the benefit of only having like seven albums so you can pretty much just listen through to them but i would say you start with help i think help is Mm. help i I love that song i don't i don't know the album but i love help yeah i think that's their their, just before they went to psychedelic and just as they were realizing what they could do with a song right is the sweet spot but everybody has their sweet spot yeah, it's it's really it's really hard because the crazily enough recorded for such a short, relatively short period yeah, of time. Fourteen years. Oh gosh, I thought it was like nine or eleven, something like that. But um, but yeah, it's it's pretty short. So, yeah. Vin, what go. are your thoughts on uh, the Beatles in my life? Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was so reflective and like you know I would be like, yeah, she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's such a Confirmed. nostalgic feeling, <laughs> and yeah, it's like yeah, Wonder Years and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, you can't true. go wrong with the Beatles. You it, just yeah. you can't. It does it does feel like it could be a Wonder Years, yeah. uh, like yeah. soundtrack song. Yes, uh, I will say my uh, best man, at my wedding, uh, Tom Kranzler, his band Fifth Day Friday used to play this song in a very like Weezer style. <laughs> it was like if Weezer did in my life. It's actually pretty cool. Oh. Uh, well, let's move on to our next pick. Ed, you're up next to talk about your songs for your funeral and uh go ahead and take it away ed okay well i mean if i'm gonna die there's there's like there's (laughs) many things i knew it needs outstanding question sorry (laughs) or if when if when i'm gonna die um there's many things i need to accomplish one of which of course is making people appreciate bastille for the genius they are outside of pompeii that's like (laughs) that's like on the list of things I need to do. So at least for that, like, one, or not one minute, for that four-minute period, I like, okay, listen to a song that isn't Pompeii by Bastille. <laughs> and I chose uh, Remains from their from their third EP, Versus. Their, I think their best album is that EP, to be honest. And I chose it because it has dynamic melodies. 
It has uh, amazing sing-along chorus. It has it's hyperbolic, and it's which is like an Ed staple. Hyper, hyperbolic <laughs> lyrics, and it also has like this building theatrical effect with singer after singer coming in until this like complete crashing uh, chorus at the end. It's it's as good of it's as great of a Basile song as it could ever exist, frankly. So I was just I was just holding on to this song for a good theme for this. I was like, oh, this like, and when this theme came up, I was like, it's gonna happen now. Uh, Josh, why don't you play the song that I just described in ridiculousness? There you go. <laughs> I came here for sanctuary, away from the winds and the sounds of the city. I came here to get some peace Way down deep where the shadows are heavy I can't help but think of you In these four walls my thoughts seem to wander To some distant century When everyone we know is six feet under all of our friends are dead and just a memory and we're side by side it's always been just you and me for all to see when our lives are over and all that remains are our skulls and bones let's take it to the grave So, Ed, this is actually, uh, there's two other people on this, right? This is yep. Bastille versus Rag and Bone Man and Skunk and Anansi? Skunk yep. and Anansi? Uh, tell me about hyperbolic lyrics. What do you mean by that? Uh, I mean, like, I feel like Bastille in general is hyperbolic lyrics. Like, like, like they're like way too dramatic to be to be real. Like, um, so like to some distant century when everyone we know is six feet under. Like, like who who like speaks in such ways? Like, no one no one does that. And I I don't know. Um, I I really I I'm like looking for like specific moments in this song that hit hit that's that's a good one like uh, most people aren't spending their time musing on hundreds of years in the future you most people are caught up in the day-to-day -day life and their problems was what and the other problems of today which they probably should be frankly <laughs> so uh and then uh, and then the in the rag and bone rag and bone man verse he talks about how he doesn't want to rest in peace he wants he he'd rather haunt each other's dreams and like 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 keeping that like keeping that life alive after life and and it doesn't matter like it it gives this layer to the song that you're able that you're able to keep living and keep fighting and loving after life 
Interesting. This is a. Uh, it, it, it's interesting that most people know Bastille for uh, Hey Hey Oh Hey Oh Hey uh, uh, Pompeii, Pompeii, which is also you know Pompeii lyrically. I, you, now that you've said explain what hyperbolic lyrics is, I'm like, oh okay, yeah, because so much of Pompeii is like the world is crashing down around yeah. us, and you know we'll love each other until the that's, end. That's 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 a Bastille staple, which is why I like. They have killer melodies, they have killer bass lines, and they have hyperbolic lyrics. I mean, like the band was made for me. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Interesting. It's a very somber track. Is this how you envision your uh, funeral will be? Is somber? No, I think I don't. I see it as theatrical. To oh. me, it's, it's not. It's not somber. It's theatrical. Like uh, I don't know what I implore everyone to listen to this song fully, not because it's just a great song, but because in Josh's clip, inevitably he won't be able to play all three singers, and I feel mm. like all three singers are really bringing something to it. And then when it all comes together, that's when it's like amazing. Yeah. It, it, it does have a, a really beautiful kind of anthemic moment towards the end as everybody's like coming together at the, in the last verse. Um, I, I do have to ask you, uh, this, this song has the new trend of verses. Have you guys seen this? All these, they don't write uh, featuring anymore when you have other people mm. on your song. Now they write oh. verses. Yeah, no. So or, rather or than or the song being Bastille or, or featuring Rag and Bone Man, it is Bastille versus Rag and Bone Man versus Gunk and Nancy. Do you right. know where that originated, Ed? I think it originated from the when it was the Cross albums, oh. like it, when it was when it was like uh, Watch the Throne. It's like it's an and, it's an X, it's the it's um, and even in other more recent. Not to say that it isn't a real example, but like Jack U X Justin Bieber, where are you now? <laughs> like like this, like because it's. Featuring, I don't know. It's 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 like it's you're giving both artists complete ownership of the song, All right. equal equal ownership. Like obviously, one has to come in front of the other, and Bastille would make sense right. because it is on the Bastille album. But like in uh, like for example, Superpower for with Ellie Golding that was on uh, is that DJ Snake one? It, it was the DJ. One of the DJ albums, it's on there, but it's also on Ely Golding's album as a bonus track. And then, yeah, like that sort of stuff is happening now, where it's like if a song is a hit, it could end up on both their albums. <laughs> like, is Bang Bang? I I don't know for a fact, but I feel like Bang Bang could both be on Ariana's album and Jesse J's album. Hmm. Like, like so, even though it's, I consider more of a Jesse J song in my head, but that's just for. I don't. I don't know why it doesn't need to be. It could be an Ariana song. It could be a Nikki song. Um, but uh, Jen, what were your thoughts on Remains? Okay, I actually I really like Bastille. Like I I, I love their sound, his sound, their sound. Um, it's mostly the one dude. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, and I was surprised because it sounded. I wasn't prepared for such a somber sounding song from you. But listening to it and, um, you know, listening to the words, you know, except for the part about haunting. Come on, Ed. You're really going to haunt us all. <laughs> like, I feel like it's where you're sending message to us. But it is. It's a, it is a, it's a beautiful song. I, I, I love the imagery in it. And I do. I, I, I like when the different voices kick in. And they're, they're pretty, pretty startling. Like, they're not obviously um, – it's not an obvious – like uh seamless transition it's actually pretty jarring but it's good because it 
you know, it snaps you back into attention and you, you're like, oh, wait, wait, there's more. And because um, the first time I thought they were just going to loop the, the same, you know, like just basically have three different people do the same lyrics over and over. So um, I, I did like the way it, it built like it was building like that. Mm. Vin, thoughts on Bastille? I love this song. I was yeah. I love this song so much. And what you said, Jen, about the three singers coming in, uh, the first singer was was haunting and then the second singer his voice was so deep and so different from the first thing and then when the lady came in that just mm -hmm. got me and yeah so i ed i just love this song so much and i really took it to the funeral place because i felt like i was in a church and this was a funeral and it was so strange because like if if i was a seven-year-old kid at a funeral listening to this song i i would become a serial killer so i could hear the song again it was just such a great it, it, yeah i love oh this song God. so much i loved it so much i loved it you're like harold and maude you just keep going to yeah you know because <laughs> like, like, like i could play the song again but like no yeah. you have to play it at a funeral yeah so i have to have that yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. well there you go ed that's your best review of bastille creating <laughs> serial killers <laughs> Hey, you know what? You know what? This got this went over. I was I was I was like when I sent it to you, I was like debating if I should send this song or not. I was like, Josh is gonna roll his eyes when he sees that it's Bastille. I but, did. I'm like, I don't care. But I, it's I phenomenal. This song, song is phenomenal. I, I didn't I didn't care if you rolled your eyes. No, I, it, uh, I, I one of the things I've always loved about you, Ed, is that you don't give a crap if <laughs> I think you're crazy or if anybody thinks you're crazy. You love the things you love and you don't give a crap when anybody thinks about it. And uh, no, you you sent me this song and I was like, oh, he finally found a way to get Bastille into the show because I know how much you love that band. And then I listened. I'm like, this, this song is fantastic. This mm -hmm. is fantastic. And uh, and yeah. I'm glad everybody reacted well. So. Um, well, uh, on that note, I will uh, take it over to my pick. Uh, my pick is up for uh, the songs from your funeral beatdown, and uh, this was this was interesting because I've also had a lot of thought about songs at my funeral uh, for a couple of reasons, not the least of which. Uh, not to get too personal here, but I died once. Uh, I died when I was in high school and uh, I stopped breathing. I had an asthma attack and I stopped mm. breathing and I was in a coma for a couple days. I was watching Demolition Man, actually. So uh, fuck that movie. Uh, but, <laughs> I was watching Demolition Man. I stopped, uh, had an asthma attack, stopped breathing. And um, <laughs> I was woken up a couple days later and uh, that kind of sense of mortality mm. is always very present. And I, and I have thought about like what my funeral would be because there was a moment where I was like, huh, maybe I should have <laughs> left a letter just in case people needed to know those things. And uh, for years after that, I used to always tell people the two songs that I wanted played at my funeral. And the first one, which I'm all telling you on the record right now, please don't. I've grown up. I no longer want you to play Toby Keith should have been a cowboy at my funeral. I am a 30 <laughs> odd year old man. Um, but the other song, which I, I almost thought was too cheesy to, pre to present today, but I went back and listened to it and it still hits me exactly like it always has. The other song was The Rainbow Connection performed by Kermit the Frog. Uh, and let's take a listen to that. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. 
and rainbows have nothing to hide. So we've been told and some choose to believe it. I know they're wrong, wait and see. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Who said that every... Yeah, so this is... This is from the Muppet movie, uh, 1979. The song was written by Paul Williams and Kenneth Asher. Uh, Paul Williams, uh, kind of forgotten today, but a truly epic Canadian singer-songwriter. He wrote, uh, his big hits were Three Dog Nights, Old Fashioned Love Song, uh, Helen Reddy's You and Me Against the World. Uh, with, uh, with, uh, Niles Rogers and, uh... He, he yeah, wrote a song on the Daft Punk right, record, right, on yeah, the last yeah. Daft Punk record, you're right. Oh my gosh. Uh, and then his, uh, the two songs I think he's probably best known for, other than this one, would be We've Only Just Begun mm. by The Carpenters, and my personal favorite, Rainy Days and Mondays, <laughs> Always Get Me Down, uh, which is probably still my quote on Twitter. Uh, he won Grammy, uh, he won a Song of the Year Grammy for Evergreen from A Star Is Born. Uh, he wrote the songs and played Swan in Phantom of the Paradise, which you have to see if you have, have you not seen, seen Phantom of the Paradise. It's no. phenomenal. It's interesting. <laughs> we we saw that a uh, couple years ago and he was actually there with the cast. I sat right in front of him. It was like, a, it was like I, was, I could touch Paul Williams. It was so <laughs> exciting. He's also like 5'2", uh, yeah. a tiny little person. Yeah. Um, so uh, he's not really wildly known now. He had a huge drug problem, which took him out for a long time, and he kind of faded into obscurity, but he's slowly been coming back, and he wrote a lot of songs with Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Asher, who um, uh, was pretty impressive in his own right. He did the string arrangements on Bad Out of Hell, so oh, wow. that's exciting. Uh, but so this is of Rainbow Connection. It's the song that Kermit sw sings in the swamp at the beginning of the movie. Uh, it was number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, it was nominated for Best Original Song, and it's been covered a million times. Uh, and there's really no big story as to, like, what the song means or why it was written or, like, the whole history. It just... It just speaks to me like there's <laughs> something about it uh, when you really get into the lyrics of it. And I think when I was a kid, we just liked that it was Kermit and that banjo riff is so simple and the strings. I mean, it's really just kind of like the, the it's at the beginning of the movie when you're coming out of the clouds and it's like a song that you would listen to in the clouds. Like it just kind of floats past you. And then you look at the lyrics and um, these are the lyrics at the beginning. Why are there so many songs about rainbows and what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions and rainbows have nothing to hide. So we've been told and some choose to believe it, but I know they're wrong. Wait and see. Someday we'll find it. The rainbow connection, the lover, the dreamers and me. And it's, it's a song about dreams, but it's like skeptical of those dreams. And I think that's, what's beautiful. It's a song kind of about like what dreams actually mean and they're not just saying like on the one hand he's like yes this rainbow is not a real thing and i recognize that this rainbow is just an illusion that i'm looking at but i don't care i still believe that it is and i still believe that i'll get there someday uh there's a, this beautiful conflict in it and it's the sentiment i i realize now as a grown-up when i when i was a kid i thought it was a song about the power of dreams and like that kind of classic american ideal like your dreams will save you and now as a grown-up 
it to me is this song from somebody who's been broken and beaten and realizes how complicated and hard the world is and yet still believes there's a place for him out there that still believes that there is this rainbow connection that's sitting out there and that we're all going to find it if we keep together and we keep looking for it and we don't give up and yes we recognize it's all screwed but we still want to go for it. And that last verse, have you been half asleep and have you heard voices? I've heard them calling my name and I know that it's out there for me and I know that I have to go. I don't have a choice. And so I guess like, yeah, I'm kind of tearing up even on my stupid podcast, <laughs> wow. but I just love it so much. And it just speaks to me in such like a base way. And there's just those, you know, when you're thinking of like songs about your funeral, like, a part of me is, do you want the song to kind of speak about you or do you want the song to be your message to other people? And I think for me, this song was the, the message I wanted to impart to other people. That was like, this was my experience. And yet I still tried to get there and I still believe it's out there and I haven't given up yet. So that is my pick for this week. Uh, I got a little deep and sappy, but I just, I just, I can't like, I, I was listening to it the other, we were in the bar on Friday and, uh, Candace, our friend Candace was like, yeah, you picked that song when you were a kid, but do you still feel that way? And I was like, that's a really valid question. And I went home and listened to the song and I was like, yep, still feel that way. Like I still kind of believe in the skepticism and yet the, the undeniable, uh, uh, the, the fact that you still believe something exists, even though everything is telling you it doesn't. So that's Rainbow Connection. Jennifer, thoughts? Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, I, I knew you've always liked this song. You've <laughs> mentioned it many, many times. But when you've just described it like that, it makes so much sense because you're the most jaded optimist I've ever met. <laughs> and that sort of dichotomy that, you know, works. You know, it's it it, it it's what keeps you grounded, but also keeps you going you know it does it doesn't hold you back so i i don't know i can't say anything bad about kermit uh it's it is i know because he's right there he's, he's watching me I, I can feel I his kermit eyes on the shelf staring at his Jennifer. eyes on the back of my head yeah oh i got him that probably like our second or third christmas together because yeah. i knew you loved this song and um no it's it's very sweet i mean it's gonna blend very well with the schizophrenic playlist i'm sure you're gonna leave for us to to play at your funeral oh yeah yeah, yeah. no none of the notice jen this. is still here did you notice how <laughs> she put that oh, yeah. i'm always here oh, you're going first did you i that? wasn't joking in the intro jennifer will live us outlive us all <sighs> women live really really long in my family <laughs> yeah. i think that's oh i won't tell that joke on the show uh vin <laughs> do you have any thoughts on rainbow connection you know what you how you just described the song was so beautiful so i feel so bad <laughs> That, because I couldn't get past that it was Kermit singing this song, and so I was in hysterics when I first heard it. I so I laughed at your entire funeral. It was just it just, it just tickled me so much. Well, you know, I think people will laugh at my funeral. I can pretty much guarantee that. But yeah, no. When I, I when I pushed play and Kermit started singing, it was just so funny. Uh, voiced by Jim Henson yes, on this song, he does do the actual vo vocal on this one. Yeah. Ed, uh, what do you what do you thoughts on rainbow connection um i i never really put thought into the lyrics like it, it's just like a song that's that's been in the ether certainly as long as i've been alive and much <laughs> for longer than that 79 uh, it's been a lot since i was what, alive. <laughs> what was interesting in your take of it 
right now like it made me really think about about what like like what rainbows are and i um it's like it was, i never really gave much thought to it before and you you sold me on it in this little <laughs> speech now uh unfortunately because i actually thought i might have a chance this week but uh i think i i think this is a solid choice and i see the like i i totally can uh like second my my understanding of uh josh's jaded optimism like oh i see that in 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 josh and i's debates about various things and what makes things successful i could even i could even see it permeating through there oh you're so. uh, you're you're agreeing with jennifer's assessment that i have jaded optimism. okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha yeah that's true uh, I cannot disagree with that one. Well, let's uh, take it to the guest now. Last but not least, we're going to look over to Vin. Vin, uh, what did you bring <laughs> for our I songs for your funeral beat though? Brought Joe Tex. I got gotcha. you. And I just, you know, this song makes me feel so good. And it shouldn't because when you hear the lyrics, you're like, no, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember this song. I remember I was six years old and... I heard it in the street. I don't know if there was a car parking, I mean, go, going by, but I heard this song when I was walking in the street and it just stayed with me and it just made me feel so good. And so when I die, you know, and if I'm allowed to view the funeral, I just still want to feel good. So whenever I hear this song, I feel so good. And there was a time when you couldn't just call up a song on a computer. So like this song, I would only hear once in a while because, you know, once it was a hit and then it went away, they never played it again. So when it would <laughs> ever come on, I just would get that feeling again. So at my funeral, I want everyone to have that feeling, you know, and, and then I'm sorry when you hear the song, you will, you will say, why? <laughs> you have such a good feeling about this song, but it's, it's, Joe Tech's singing and he's singing out, even though the lyrics are just crazy and they're bad and they're wrong, <laughs> but he's just, he's got so much joy in this song. And it's mm -hmm. like, do you really hear what you're saying? And then also you have to go to YouTube and look for the video because there's a performance of Joe Tex on Soul Train doing the song. Oh, is, I think that's the one I put in the email for oh, everybody. Okay. I put that one in the email. It's so good. Yeah. And there's so this good. girl named Demita Joe Freeman, who was the best Soul Train dancer ever. And she does this dance with him, and it's just it's just the most wonderful thing in the world. So I would like the song and the video. And my Joe Tex is one of those guys that like you, you listen to all these songs and you're like I have heard this before. Well, do you know the history of Joe Tex? Can you tell uh, us a little about? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the history, but I got to tell you, on my way over, I put Joe Tex in on my Spotify, and there's this, I guess I think it's called Joe Tex Two. Yes. And he does this song, but it's a slowed down version. It's so 
romantic and tender but, and, but it's the same words <laughs> but it was just i'm like oh my god this is beautiful <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know the history of joe tex i just know that he is just one of those soul singers and i, I really there's like you know god rest her soul but like sharon jones is the only person that comes to mind recently mm-hmm. that yeah. that you know gives you that feeling yeah yeah so yeah we we are kind of lacking in this style of delivery at the moment there aren't a lot of people that are that are doing this type of thing anymore except for some of the holdovers that are still around i suppose trying to bring it back i'm sure you can find billy paul somewhere if you like ask real nice but the you know you gotta really uh uh it would be great to see a resurgence you know Mm -hmm. with the dap kings oh uh, yeah definitely still floating around and bands like that still floating around it'd be great to get some of this stuff back but yeah i would just i can see everyone sitting in the pew Mm -hmm. and this comes on and they're just like (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait, what? Really? Yeah, now, no. would you warn them? Like, no, would, no. <laughs> you just wanted to start. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think if people who know me know that, that okay, that's what he would play at his funeral. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, <laughs> that's him. Yeah, that, that's it. Now, uh, uh, the, um, what is the story of the song? Just, just to uh, word it out. What's he actually talking about? <laughs> well, you know what? Actually... Okay, so you know he's he's got this. I guess this woman must have been dating someone, and he wanted to date her. And she said, you know, listen, I'm dating someone, but as soon as that's over, you know, we can kick it. And so her relationship ends, and she's not going to keep that promise. And then Joe Tex must see her walking down the street and say, "Hey, wait a minute, you promised me something. You know, <laughs> give it here." But the thing is, is that I was six years old when I heard this song, so. Can you imagine a six-year-old going around singing this song? Oh, it's for just sure, ridiculous. For sure. Oh <laughs> uh, there are so many songs to think like how I knew every word to Billie Jean, and I was well into my twenties before I really thought about what yeah. Billie Jean yes, was about. Yes, you know, yeah, it's yeah. a lot of those types of things. Uh, oh yeah, Jennifer, what are your follow-up th- feelings on Joe Tex? Well, <laughs> it's a fantastic song, and, and I hadn't heard this one, and. It, I didn't know that I knew him, so I actually played some on Pandora, and I was like, oh, wait, I know these songs. Not all of them, but I certainly didn't recognize this one. But when I, uh, so when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then I started listening to the lyrics. I was like, oh, wait, is this a message to somebody? Like, like who was? <laughs> like, are people, are people at Vinny's funeral supposed to start looking at each other like, yeah, who's he talking wait, what? to? <laughs> so, I mean, understanding that, it was um, an experience you had at such a young age, and it was the music that just moved you, and the the the, the passion and the intensity in his singing that it just it captured you in that moment, and it brought you that joy, <laughs> and that makes so much sense. <laughs> but um, oh, it's fantastic! And and watching the video, I I didn't watch the video before, okay, yeah. so uh, so watching the video, and oh my god, that just brings me back every Saturday. Every Saturday. Oh my oh, yeah. god! And I and and you guys saying that it was lip synced. I'm like, really? Was it? Wait, what? <laughs> because we were trying to dance along and you know do our thing, so we were yeah, yeah. I, we were mostly listening as opposed to um you know watching all you know watching the performer that intently but but yeah it just it makes you feel like that's the other thing too it just makes you feel something and what was that host name cornelius Brent? was it cornelius don, uh, don cornelius. cornelius don cornelius <laughs> yeah. oh, as a voice oh what did they play at his funeral <laughs> that's a that's a good oh. question actually we should look that up um <laughs> it was lip synced ed what do you think <laughs> 
<laughs> and what do you think about making people get up and dance at your funeral? I was going to say that uh, Vin's funeral sounds like a fun place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Can, you, can you get me on the guest list <laughs> during your OBE? Uh, that'd, be, that'd be nice. Um, yeah, it, it, this seems... I, it, knowing that, like, literally the first thing I've I've met I met you in quotes was through your song choice for this for this topic. I was like, this is interesting. Uh, okay, but, but uh, getting to, like hearing what you say about how you're bringing people fun and excitement and possibly a long list of songs at the funeral. It makes sense. Like this is this is a this is going to be a, like. Your funeral is going to be the happiness thing to be around, so why not? <laughs> well, uh, at this point, we're going to go around the circle, and everybody can make one last bid for uh, their song, why it is the best of the week, and feel free to take the gloves off and explain to <laughs> us why all of the other songs are so bad that uh, they should be they should have their stuffing taken out, and they should be thrown with the other Muppets wow. we don't remember, uh, such as those ones from SNL. Jennifer... Oh, I love Scred. Yeah, Scred's pretty cool. Uh, From SNL, the, the, the scary one with the hair. Oh, my gosh. This has been super random references yes. from Josh and Jen. Uh, Jennifer, we're going to start with you. Yes. you want to please go to the listeners. One final appeal for the Beatles in my life as the ultimate funeral song. Well, again, I would just like people to know that uh, they meant a lot to me. And if they're there at my funeral, hopefully I made some, meant something to them as well. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful song without being too sad. It's reflective, but not melancholy. And it's just, it's, you know, my final message, maybe not final, maybe I'll leave you some notes around or something. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave little, little uh, surprises for you later. Oh, honey, I know you. You're going to haunt the shit out of me. <laughs> you are going to haunt. Josh, you up? Are you up? Are you awake? <laughs> Every single time I don't put a dish away, I'm going to hear a, what are you doing? <laughs> oh. We've talked about this. If that were the only thing. Oh my gosh. The recycling goes in the right bin, not the left, honey. Um, and it is a fantastic song on its own. It, uh, Lennon and McCartney, McCartney have both been on record saying that, you know, this is, they, they believed was their best Beatles song. Um, and John Lennon, years later, actually, about, I think it was the year that he passed away, was. Um, quoted as saying that the the writing of the song was the first time he felt like he he wrote something um wrote real personal art so all right there you go in my life that's jennifer's song in my life by the beatles ed you're up next make one final plea for why people should go with bastille's remains um i think you should go with bastille's remains because there is so many fun layers the song you think you go into it being like oh this is just white guys with guitars with <laughs> with with synthesizers wgwgws <laughs> and then all of a sudden rag and bone man comes out and you're like okay that's cool and then skunk anansi comes out and you're like what and they all sing together at the end in this like flourishing moment that that like capitulates the whole thing and and that and the chorus is so damn catchy and so damn somber it's 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 the pinnacle the apex 
of a Bastille song. So that is why you should vote for my song. <laughs> well, <laughs> that is why you should vote for Ed's song, um, Remains by Bastille. I will make my final case for Kermit the Frog's Rainbow Connection. Now, look, you're at a funeral. Uh, you're sad. <laughs> Uh, you know, because let's be honest. Uh, whoa. I'm <laughs> kidding. What, did everybody, I just want to make sure everyone heard what she, okay. So you're at a funeral and you're sad because yes. of what she so did to sad. me. You're so sad because uh, you're sad. And, uh, and you know, you're just thinking like what a huge loss it is because, uh, you know, we, you really did love me and, uh, you're, you're sad that I'm gone. You're real sad. So and you know, what's going to raise your spirits. Kermit the fucking frog is going to raise your spirits. <laughs> but, you know, he's not going to let you go get off scot-free. He's got some knowledge to impart to you. Kermit the frog is going to teach you some things. And uh, so, you know, he's going to slip him in because he's a frog and he's stuffed. He's got a guy's hand in his head. But it's magic. I think the song's magic. It means the world to me. Um, I just think it's... it's. Uh, I, 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 just, I just think it's perfect. So I think you should vote for that. Um, I think that uh, In My Life is a little on the nose. I think that Remains uh, is, uh, is kind of kind of sad at the beginning and uh i think i gotcha uh, at my funeral would just leave everyone real confused <laughs> so that's why you should vote for for my song uh 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 cover the frog <laughs> rainbow connection one last final note from you vin would you like to tell us about i am completely uh, bad at this part of the game obviously <laughs> no because like it's so strange what i'm gonna say but i'm just gonna say because it's in my heart but um I grew up with Walt Disney movies, so, you know, so if we cross the line, we're going to grab hands, so we tie, okay? <laughs> but really, I love my song, and I want people to listen to my song, but I love Ed's song the most. I'm sorry. To... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just do it. I've never heard a song that ever made me want to kill somebody, so I love your song <laughs> the most. Yes. Wow. Winning. All right, well, that's that's one vote for Ed. Oh my gosh. We're going to count that one right now. Yes. We're going to count that right now. <laughs> On the record. <laughs> well, now, dear. Dear listeners, it's up for you to vote for which of our songs is the best song for your funeral uh, that you heard this week. You can vote on Twitter by tweeting us at BeatdownPod. You can email us at BeatdownPodcast at gmail.com. And you can tell us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BeatdownPodcast. And let us know what you want to listen to from the grave. And it goes without saying, I'm sure you're <laughs> going to want to tell us all of the many songs that we forgot to mention. We will be back next week when our theme will be songs about drinking. We probably should have flipped these two episodes so <laughs> one could feed into the other. Uh, I think it still works. It still it's works. That's how the Irish do it. Yeah, that's true. For Go for, from uh, the funeral to the Our friends wake. and family. Yeah, yeah, this is actually the order in which things go. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Vincent, if people want to follow you on the social medias, are you on the social medias? I to am. Be I'm on uh, Twitter. V Durham 66 and then uh, I have a website that I update with uh, upcoming plays and that's vtdisme.com basically keep an eye out for that yeah. uh, uh, well I've already I've already uh, praised you enough today <laughs> uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Jennifer uh, where can people find you online on Instagram and Twitter at Jenny B Creative Jenny with an I and uh, Ed where can people find you uh, you can find me on all the social medias at Edward Giordano uh, my cousin said I'd need to spell out my last name, so G I O R D A N O. I used, go. To, I think I used Genetic. to spell it for you back on the uh, Gleeful show. Just yes. Yeah, it's kind of a tough one. And you can find me online at Josh Burnell B U R N E L L on Twitter and Instagram. I have a movie. 
which is premiering. Uh, what? Yeah, it's currently yes. called House by the Lake. It's going to play at the North Hollywood Cinefest on March 29th. I thought we talked about this title. I thought we talked about this. <laughs> you can get uh, you can actually get tickets now at uh, nohocinefest.com. Check that out if you'd like to come see my movie, uh, and then uh, hopefully it'll be on a, on a disc or something. And Congrats. Uh, you know, yeah. and hopefully, well. It's funny because people are always like, let me know it's on Netflix. And I'm like, I make no money from Netflix, but sure. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, I would I would love to see some of you. That's my movie. Uh, you can get tickets online. And that is it for us. For uh, Josh and Ed and Vin, we'll be back next week for another vi- beatdown. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Beatdown is a production of Us and is recorded in Studio O, the office attached to our garage. Our theme song is Optimism by the Numbers by Brian Lerner, and thanks to him for letting us use it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It helps others find the show and spreads the word that I can go on way too long about anything when given the opportunity. The music clips we discuss in this podcast are used in compliance with the U.S. Copyright Act, Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. If you want to listen to the songs we talked about this week in their entirety, visit us on Twitter at BeatdownPod, online at BeatdownPodcast.com, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BeatdownPodcast. 